learning the Divrei Torah that we shared together tonight should be an Eloi from the Neshama. Menachem Russ's great, great-grandmother, my grandmother, her yard site is tonight, Leah Bastanil, and she was somebody who taught our family Amuna. She taught us faith, she taught us prayer. Her sincere, authentic prayers to Hashem were very, very powerful. She lived with Hashem. Oma never lived alone. It was, it was a legitimate thing. She, Oma didn't live alone. Not at all. She lived with Hashem. Hashem was there. It was a very cozy apartment. She was there and Hashem was there around the clock. And she taught us emistic of faith and she taught us prayer, sincere prayer to Hashem. It was fun to call Oma in the morning hours. Because you would get, uh, she couldn't talk. She was in the middle of talking to he who she loves so much. She was in the middle of talking to Hashem. So you would get, uh, uh, for a long period of time. But I want to share Dvar Torah specifically, Le'ili Nishmasa. She had a custom late in life that we witnessed that she would visit nursing homes. And she had set people she would visit. It's fascinating. Hashem works in mysterious ways. She had a, she had a best friend, a very unlikely best friend. My grandmother was from Germany and had lost her entire family who had come from Germany and she had another friend who was a survivor from Poland had lost her family from Poland and they were inseparable best friends a very unique two ladies these two Tzadkaniyas they were amazingly holy their Amuna was really serious Madregas serious live with Hashem and they each taught each other a lot and the irony of ironies, these two ladies who spent years together doing mitzvahs, davening, running to shiurim, and running to visit. They visited a lot of people in the nursing home. Different, not well people. They went to a nursing home. And there was a home for people who weren't fully bedas. They visited. They had targeted yidin. They were visiting. These two ladies walking a mile, two miles, traveling far, and constantly visiting people in nursing home and to give chizuk and encouragement. And the irony, Hashem's mysterious ways, that my son Maishi became like best friends with another bacher, another bacher, that they're both extremely close friends, as Daniel Manchik and Maishi Kalish, and that great-grandchildren, unbeknownst to them, that each of their great-grandmothers were best friends, inseparable. And now, like totally unknown to them, no, nobody set it up, it's like Hashem works in mysterious ways, they're tremendously close friends. I find that rather fascinating. And I want to speak about this point, this of visiting people, and noticing people, it's something I spoke about in Yeshiva, it's on my mind a lot lately, in thinking about this precious tzaddikis, who herself went through tremendous difficulties, herself, and I only can assume that where she got the sensitivity to notice the downtrodden, Yidin, we follow Hashem, and Hashem is somebody, is a mashpil geyimu magbi ashvalum. Hashem raises up people who are hurt, Hashem is a metzios of lahachia slave nidkaim. So a yid to ever be this way just means they're close to Hashem. 
But I assume in her own life, what she went through, losing her family at the age of 16, and her friend going through the concentration camps, made them more sensitive to the plight of those that are suffering. So I want to share a Zayar that's relevant to Parsha Shemais, an incredible Zayar, with the Pshat in this Zayar, and talk about this topic for a few minutes. The Torah tells us about Moshe Rabbeinu, we're introduced to our Rebbe in this week's parsha to Moshe Rabbeinu. And we're told of the stories of his youth, of Vayarbis of Loisam, of Moshe Rabbeinu's noticing and seeing and validating the Yidden's pain. That he saw Vayarbis of Loisam, he sees the Ish Mitzri, Maka Ish Ivri, Meyachav, and he defends the Yid. He defends the Yid, Vayakas Amitsri. Moshe Rabbeinu smites the Mitzri, says the Shem Hashem, and he kills the Mitzri. And we're taught about the Moshe Rabbeinu who's so caring and noticing the plight of Yidin. Then we're told the Torah interrupts and it brings us back to Mitzrayim, tells us about Moshe, brings us back to Mitzrayim and describes the Yidden crying out in anguish. They, they groan and cry out to Hashem. And Hashem hears their scream. And their cries are listened to. And then it goes back to Moshe Rabbeinu by the Sneh and Hashem commands Moshe to free the Yidden. Very fascinating. Maishu Rabbeinu's early life, his Hanhaga of caring for Yidin, to the Yidin's pain, back to Maisha. It's like fascinating. Hashem's giving us the account on both sides. And simply, we would have all assumed it's like meant to bring, I don't want to say the irony, but that's like how to tell this story. Maisha Rabbeinu's birth and ascent and Path to Gadlus, the care of his people, to, back to the Yidden, away from Moshe, back to the Yidden, they're crying out, and Hashem sees their pain, back to Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem commands him to free his people. That's how we would take it, but for a pithy comment of the Zayar. The Zayar says the following very cryptic statement, I quoted it, Ki asa Moshe asa when Moshe Rabbeinu came, the Jewish people got a voice. Very cryptic Zayar. Ki asa Moshe asa That the Torah is not just saying Moshe's what happened in youth. Then we cried and then Moshe saved them. Moshe gave us our voice. That Then we cried and then Hashem heard. What does this mean? I want to quote... I want to quote from Rabbi Yashaber Salavechik, a quote. I'm going to read word for word an essay he wrote. If I, I, the words to me were incredibly moving. And he describes that Moshe Rabbeinu handed the Jewish people, handed the Yidden a voice. He's just explaining a cryptic statement to the Zayar, which really explains the Psukim. Moshe is noticing Klal Yisrael, Vayar of Loisam, the stories of his care and concern, and then they cry and the cry is heard. It's not just a riveting two different stories and the, 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 one, the one who's chosen to take us out to be the Shliach Hashem, it was actually him who gave us a voice, 
who helped our prayer, who brought about, Ki asa maisha asa koil, quote from the Zayar. So now I'll quote from Rabbi Yashaber and listen to his beautiful words. Before Maisha came, there was not even a single sound. No complaint was lodged, no sigh, no cry uttered. Only an agonizing, unhuman shriek would penetrate the weird silence of the night. The slaves were gloomy, voiceless, and mute. Torture was taken for granted. They thought this was the way it had to be. The pain did not precipitate suffering. He says it was pain, it wasn't suffering. He says animals have pain, they don't have suffering. Ouch! It hurts. Nothing more, nothing deeper. No other feelings that are deeper. And he says before Maisha, torture was taken for granted. We had been there a long time, close to 200 years in Mitzrayim, 170 to 200. And we had been beaten and tortured for many, 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 many years. Years and years of torture, decades of torture. And at this point, torture was taken for granted. For a long time I was bothered by the word, it's interesting, we made a Shabbos around now in Eretz Yisrael a few years back. And I was very, I, I'm very interested the last few years in the words of how Hashem expresses things. And Hashem kept, keeps talking about Sivlois Mitzrayim. What's Sivlois? The Sivlois of Mitzrayim. In referring to the Shibud, Shibud, I hear servitude, tsar. What is civilis Mitzrayim? Very interesting word that is referred to that we had civilis Mitzrayim. And a yid came during this, during laning, I was asking around, trying to figure out civilis Mitzrayim. And the Talmud Chacham, a wonderful Talmud Chacham, this Rev Reznik came to the Suda and he said from the Radomsk, he said that the pshat of Sivlois Mitzrayim is that there's a level of pain and things can get so bad that people are civil, they accept it. Torture was taken for granted. They thought this was the way it had to be. Hopeless. And people become mute, voiceless, no sense. Everyone's wants, ah! But no, no depth, no understanding. Things are supposed to be different. Now listen to the contrast of what Moshe did and I quote. Maisha, by defending the helpless Yid, restored sensitivity to the dull slaves. Suddenly they realized that all the pain, anguish, humiliation and cruelty is evil. He gave a voice, Kiasa Maisha, and he noticed people. He noticed them and heard them. He gave a voice to their pain. All of a sudden they have a voice. I'll tell something sensitive. I want to share with the Chavra something I've observed in my life, an observation that I've noticed. This means a lot to me and I've seen this a lot and then I want to talk halach to us, Rabbi I want to say something I noticed. I have heard people criticize certain psychologists. There's some wonderful therapists out there who are involved in people's healing and do tremendous work. I have heard of specific therapists who I hold up tremendously. He's since retired. I think he's helped many, many people. And I have heard parents say about him that he teaches kids to hate their parents. That this sadich he gets people to hate. It's, it's not true. I know this yid. He gets people to be close to their parents. 
But sometimes when a youngster is hurt profoundly, he is voiceless. He can't express his pain. He barely even feels it's complicated and the pain is deep, controlling and powerful. And comes a yid and just understands, it gives voice to the youngster. He didn't cause himself to hate his... Ultimately this kid reconciles with the parents. But he actually, by the way, feels a deeper pain, by the way. Because he's getting healthier and it slowly comes out. And eventually he loves his parents too, by the way. But Maisha, amazingly, amazingly, Maisha, by defending the helpless Jew, restored sensitivity to the dull slaves, and they understand that the pain, anguish, humiliation, and cruelty is evil. He describes, I didn't copy all the line up in this amazing essay, he describes that pain becomes suffering. And he says, and then there's profound prayer to Hashem by a person who's gotten back their voice. And he describes that Maishu Rabbeinu noticing people gives voice. I'd be very fascinated what Reb David Stein, Chazdei Hashem is back, back with us. And I'd be fascinated, somebody who's going around giving chizuk and being a listening ear to people in pain, this point that sometimes it even causes more pain in a certain way, but a healthy reaction to pain. And all of a sudden there's prayer, and all of a sudden there's hope, and all of a sudden there's a future. And Maishu Rabbeinu, by being Vayar B'Sivloisam, by seeing their pain, actually brings out prayer. Because all of a sudden there's a people who's dig- they remember their dignity. They remember how it's supposed to be and how it is now. And it brings out, That brings out the, the cries and the tefillahs of Klal Yisrael, Maishu Rabbeinu understanding, or Maishu Rabbeinu seeing. I want to say that the first time Hashem speaks to Maishu Rabbeinu, I'm so moved by this because a yid discovers Hashem and a yid behaves Maishu Rabbeinu from the palace of Paroi is Vayar B'Sivloisam He sees Yidin and he notices them He notices Nobody's invisible in Maishu Rabbeinu's world People are noticed People are important Vayar B'Sivloisam I'm so moved that when Hashem says Shalom Aleichem to Maishu Rabbeinu and the first thing Hashem says, take off your shoes, which we'll talk about perhaps a little bit later. But then Hashem says, his first conversation with Maishu Rabbeinu. Rabbeinu hides his face. Hashem and Hashem tells Maisha, Ra Raisi Asani Ami. I watch, I see the pain of my nation. We're called for the very first time by Hashem. Ami, my people, my people. And Ra Raisi, I see them. The sense of a person's suffering is so alone. Nobody notices, nobody does anybody even care? And the first thing Hashem says to Maisha, you and Maisha Rabbeinu, you mamish got it, you were, you're being godly, your eyes are the eyes of Hashem. Because I know you were Vayardis of Laisam. I know that you saw, you made a point, Nasan Eina Vilibo Elias Meitzer 
Well, Shalom Aleichem, let me introduce myself, Sashem. I see you've discovered me. Because I want you to know that Ra Ra'isi Yasani Ami. I've seen the affliction of my people, Hashem Mitzrayim. I've seen and I've heard the Sakasam Shamati and their cries I have listened. I know their pain. And Hashem introduces himself to Maisha that you're 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 mamish, you're one of mine. Kira Raisi, I also observe and notice. I just I feel Rabbi Say this mid of noticing another yid. We have to assure, certainly in our families, a basic obligation. None of our children are ever allowed to be invisible. Never, never, never. Our ne- our, it's, it's not allowed. A yid can't be invisible. A yid can't be unnoticed. A yid can't go through and he's overlooked. It can't be. It's not allowed to be. We have to make a point to notice another yid. To notice. I ask, I have a staff that called dorm counts a horrible name. A guy wrote an essay, he wrote were explorers. My favorite call from Yeshiva is when a dorm cast will call two in the morning to say he's discovered another angel. They know call any time, call 4.30 in the morning. If you in the midst of a conversation have noticed greatness in a Yid, please call up, I want to hear. They're explorers and discovering. Nobody, Rabbi Isai, is allowed to stay. Nobody. No Yid is allowed to stay invisible. Nobody's allowed to be not noticed. People have tremendous, awesome mindless. They have to be seen. It has to matter and give importance to challenges and difficulties and issues. Nobody's allowed to be invisible. And our Achrayis is to make people visible and notice and see. Like Hashem sees. Like Hashem sees, we have to see. That's our Achrayis. I wanted to specifically share on the night of a yard site of somebody who made a habit to see the pain of people that maybe were a little bit in the shallow eyes of the world off the grid. A little bit people hold up and stuck and away made a point to see and to notice. And that's our Achrayis, Rabbi say to see and notice. No yids to remain. Nobody's allowed to be an anonymous, an unseen person. Too many times, way too many times, Abakar was describing to me two instances of his life. This is recently, but this repeats itself for years. He described the youth of being invisible. He's not noticed. I wasn't the smartest in my class, as if that matters or counts, or has any significance, or is even true. He's smart. The brain is a, is a wild place. But he wasn't the smartest in his class, wasn't whatever, and didn't naturally, wasn't the best behaved. It's nonsense, silly things. And he says, I spent my youth invisible. That was one detail he wanted to share. What it means to be invisible, to grow up invisible. I was invisible. When people were celebrated and encouraged, and I was invisible, described. And then he described the severe, a severe trauma in his life. He thought like the severe, the other thing was like a casual remark that I was invisible. It was like in passing. And he thought like the great discovery was the trauma that he went through. The irony is the trauma only happened because he was invisible. He was susceptible and would take a lolly from anywhere he'd get a lolly because he's desperate, he's starving to death. 
any trauma only happened because he was invisible is one. And the much bigger trauma of his life is that he was invisible. A yid's not allowed to be invisible. A yid counts way too much. Nobody's allowed, not one of our children are ever invisible. They're a hero and a star and celebrated like wild. There's no such thing allowed. And our neighbor's kid can't be invisible. None. And each of us, Achrayis, responsibility is to notice, is to see, is to have eyes and see and notice. And each one, notice another person. Recognize and see. That's the eyes of God. That's the eyes of Hashem. And we all have to develop the eyes of Hashem who sees and notices and cares and values. That's the eyes we all have to acquire. Those, those precious eyes. Maisha Rabbeinu had such eyes. That's one thing I want to share. I want to share another point about the onset. Introductions are very, very powerful. And Hashem's first conversation with Moshe is certainly very instructive. The first conversation with the one Hashem appoints to bring us, Klal Yisrael, His people, Ami, out of Mitzrayim, the one who Hashem charged with teaching Torah to Klal Yisrael, to Ami, Hashem's people. And the first conversation is important. And I want to share what the Chavetz Chaim says about this first conversation. Hashem tells Maish Rabbeinu, take off the shoes off your feet. The ground you are standing on is holy ground. And the explanation of the Chavetz Chaim, the explanation of the Chavetz Chaim that the Torah speaks and the Achrai is to give this over to ourselves and all our loved ones, our families. The Torah speaks to you. Never to feel or sense like where I've gone, what I've done, what I've experienced. I'm like not Shaykh here. It always scares me in a classroom. And the Rebbe says, let's, if we go into the mines, the Rebbe says, Geshmak Hevra, no? Nabach is sitting there, he's like bored. He's waiting for recess. Dangerous. I'm not saying the Rebbe shouldn't say Geshmak and all our beautiful Rebbe must say Geshmak. Bless their souls. But I'm saying what we have to give over. That child who's taught like where I am and who I am. Like the Torah. Does the Torah? The Torah has what to say to me and you. The Torah talks and resonates and speaks to each person. The ground you are on is holy. Where you're up to, who you are, where, you ch- where your challenges are, the Torah has what to say to you. It speaks to you and resonates. Study it and figure out where your connection. I started giving like homework in yeshiva. I should give it here also. The shares are... Thanks to Rav Avi, brings Chalant and calls a popular share. Could be, it would become very not popular. If we start giving like, you know, this is of action, but I don't know if we have time for more homework. But I started giving homework. I like when the Chavr researches a topic. Of course, I'll give a mushroom, Minion. Of course we got a Minion. But Minion speaks to me different than it speaks to you, different than it speaks to him. And there's a, in Hashem's mitzvah, it's the mitzvah deraisa, the mitzvah derabanan. To different people, it resonates a different way. I've only started realizing I'm older. I love minyanim. I love the social aspect of minyanim. So geschmack. 
A minion chevra, people come, everybody has their place at the minion. This guy's joke, this guy's kiddish, this guy, each guy like brings his nikuda to the minion. I see myself, and it's obvious to me that every part public prayer is fascinating. It hit me a lot when we came back from, from the shuls being shut. We came back to pray together silently. It hit me a lot. Public tefillah b'tzibur is fascinating. That we silently pray, but me and you together. So, so maybe stay in my house. And it actually became an issue. People got used to the houses. Tefillah b'tzibur. Vadah in a shul. It's a din in shulchanar. Tadavan in a shul. is pashat. You don't make a house. Chas v'shom. It's a degen shulchanar. In shul. In shul. Tefillah b'tzibur. Not just b'tzibur. In shul. It's a din in shulchanar. If you daven in shul, a person happens. What did Saber, of course? So different people. I know some who are very regimented people, and they like a certain. They like rigidity. They like a certain order, and and that's that's how they function best. They love that structure and that. They like the the. A certain way of life that's every day, a certain pattern. There are people that minion so grabs them for that reason. And then you have another guy. I like the party of minion. I like you come in, you see Rebbe, you see the Hefra. You see Gavriel's here, David's, it's Gishmak. It's, you, 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 like I, Josh, you see Gishmak. It's just Gishmak. All the different Hefra, different personalities, different nuances. We all come to minion at the different times that we get in there. I love the whole social massive of a minion. And different people connect to different myths. Mitzvahs are profound. And have different aspects, how it resonates, in what way it resonates by us, for mitzvahs. But this Nakuda that Hashem taught Moshe, he who is going to teach Torah to Klal Yisrael, he who is going to bring Klal Yisrael out of Mitzrayim and into the embrace of Hashem, Moshe Rabbeinu was taught, Ki amakum asharat of Admas Kodeshu. The ground you are on, where you are standing, Nobody to have a sense in this conversation with Hashem and in this task that Moshe is charged to bring a whole people into the waiting embrace of Hashem to understand the ground you are on is holy. Not to think where I am, what I'm thinking. Like maybe the other, he's like all excited like learning so But maybe where I am, where I feel, how I think about things. No, Tyra talks to you where you are. The ground you're on is holy ground. Those words I love singing in Yeshiva, that Torah talks and is given and is fit for every single Yid. And a Yid is Shaykh to Torah. And a Yid can connect and Torah speaks to where he is and who he is and how he is. And the Torah speaks to him, giving this over in a very clear, in a very clear way. Our Rebbe introduced to Hashem. This was the Shalom Aleichem. The way the Chavetz Chaim explained it to us. Where you are, how you are, take off your shoes. There is holy. Lest you think that plenty of quote-unquote religious, other religions who have ideas where you find holiness. Where you search it, what you have to change. And certainly the Kenyane Yatayrub. But where we are, who we are, how we are, is Shaykh to Torah. And that, that message to the one who taught Torah and teaches Torah to Klal Yisrael was imparted very, very early. And it's obviously a significant message for us, for ourselves.
and to impart to our children, to our families, to those that we care about. This message is certainly a Hashem message to impart. There's a Rashi that I have to that I have to study. I have to study with the Chevra Rashi and then learn a capital Tillam. Mendy, can you pass a Siddur for a minute from right there? Thank you. Thanks, Antonio. Incredible Pasuk. If you'll allow just to read this Pasuk, if we have such a window into Madrega of a person, then we have to read this Pasuk. Just to hear Madregas that are lofty, and none of us are there yet, not within miles, but a madrega with what shlemus we can come to just to hear such a madregas today. And there's a madrega that Maishra Rabbeinu says to Hashem, when Hashem sends, tells him to take the Yidden out of Mitzrayim, Maishra Rabbeinu says, Shalach no biyatishlach. And Rashi says that Maishra Rabbeinu says, Maishra Rabbeinu's line, Shlach no biyatishlach. Send, please, in the one you've been sending till now, says Rashi. Yud Gimel says Rashi. Until now, you had somebody leading the Jewish people. I beg you, Hashem, I don't want to replace my older brother. Aaron Akayin is leading the Yidden and is the one who's delivering the messages from Hashem. Hashem, please, Shlachna, please send Biyad Tishlach. Please continue to use Aaron as the leader of the Yidden. Aaron should take the Yidden out of Mitzrayim. I don't want to replace my older brother. Hashem gets upset. And he says, Hashem says, there's something you can't know about Aaron. But I, who are Chayke the Lev, Hashem who knows the secrets of the heart of a person, it says about Aaron, Aaron will see you and will be happy in his heart. Rashi says, Aaron will see you and be happy in his heart. Not like you think that Epis Epis in his heart will be sensitive that you're being raised Lagdula. Not that way at all. Aaron, the Rabbeinu Shalom's maid. You know, sometimes a, a, an older brother is at the chasm of his younger brother. And the older brother is single. And he has to take a polite stance. And he smiles politely. Inside, the pain. He's a human being. Casey, he's 84% not minding. But there's 16% that's searing in pain. <laughs> there's a sharp pain. It's his younger brother. He's getting married. He's not married yet. There's a degree. Is that sad? Maybe it's, if it's 84%, he's like a godlador. But there's pain. The Rabbana Shlom's made about Aaron To the depths of his heart, he sees Maishra Rabbeinu being Oilagdullah and taking his shtelo. And he's completely happy. Teeth, teeth, he's completely happy. We find the other way also, Kapitol Kuflamid Gimel, until him, when Maishra Rabbeinu anoints, anoints Aaron Akoin as the Koin Gadol. A shtela that goes ladirus to Aaron and all his children, and Moshe Rabbeinu's children don't get his shtela. So the pasuk which says Hine matayvu manoim, 
Shevis Achim Gam Yachar and Kuflam and Gimel and Tilim. How wonderful is it, Matavu Manayim, brothers dwelling together? Says the Pasuk, David HaMelech says, Kishemen Atoiv Al Arosh, like good oil that poured on the head, Yoyred Al Azakim, that flows to the beard, Zikan Aaron, the beard of Aaron. What's that double ushin? The oil that goes on the beard, the beard of Aaron. The double Lushan says the Medrash is Maishu Rabbeinu was so rejoiced for his brother's Semcha. His brother was, he was anointing his brother Kain Gadol. And Maishu Rabbeinu wasn't becoming the Kain Gadol. It was something that Aaron would get for him and his children. And Maishu Rabbeinu was so besimcha for his brother. It went two ways. Aaron was besimcha for Maishu Rabbeinu besamach belibay. Maish Rabbeinu was so besimcha for Aaron, when he anointed Aaron, Maish Rabbeinu's own beard felt wet. He poured oil and it leaked onto Aaron's beard. Maish felt like his own beard was soaked. It's Yoyed al-Azakin means the Zakin of Maish. It was leaking on the beard of Maish, as it can Aaron, on the beard of Aaron. When Aaron's beard was drenched in the oil, the Shemina Mishra, Maishu Rabbeinu felt physically wet. Such was his excitement for Aaron HaKoyin Shtela of Koyin Gadol. And this Madrega being the Semcha for another person's Semcha. Here Aaron HaKoyin's Madrega that's otherworldly, he's, he's replaced Hishtela to leave the Yid, to lead the Yidden. And he's been replaced by his brother, but the Tire is made, Hashem is, says Eidos about Aaron. Such madrega, such emuna, such faith, such an understanding of what he gets is meant for him, what I get is meant for me. And just the complete happiness for the next person takes a tremendous madregas of Samech Bechelkoi, that a person's happy with his matzav, tremendous amuna that Hashem gives each person exactly what they need, the midas taivas and the amuna that lies in such a pasuk, to see somebody else's covered, somebody else's success, when any external sense would be, he's taking from mine, He's robbing my covet, but the tire is made on Aaron Akoyim. V'ra'achav v'samach believe a complete, 100% believe Shalom Mamish. Just happy for his brother. Samach believe a happiness for his brother. We have to yearly study this. This madrega, yearly, we have to study. It could have ashpanas, hasagas, just to be masig madregas of emuna. The amunah that each person gets what's meant for them. If it was meant for me, then I'd have it. No shaykhs to what, it's not nagir what he have to what I have. A samach b'chelkoi. To then look at somebody else and be excited. Samach b'libay, excited for his success. I once heard a statement that it takes, it takes a tzaddik to feel somebody's pain, but it takes an angel to celebrate his joy. But we should read this parsha. We all know that Torah has a school of satire. That you study a topic in the Torah about a topic, it could be miashpia l'tayv. We have to read, our, read this pasuk to our families. We have to. The Shabbos table, read the pasuk. That it's shayich. That it's shayich, a human being. That Hashem could be made a position that l'chayr he lost. 
It was taken from him and given to his brother. And complete, 100%, he was happy for his brother. He was besemcha. I, I can't fathom. He was besemcha rabba. I'm so excited for your new post, my Shrevenu. It's unfathomable. Somebody, one of us, will be replaced as a Shashiva. You're fired and your brother is getting your shtelah. Unfathomable. Aaron Akoyin on the Madregi was 100% happy. Tremendous simcha for his brother. The emunah, the faith, real faith. There's no without real faith. The faith that Hashem runs the world, you get exactly what's supposed to get. What he gets, no shaykhs. Hashem gives you what you're supposed to get. No, he doesn't take an inch, doesn't give in, no shaykhs. We get what we're supposed to get. A sameach b'chelkoi. I have exactly what I need, what I'm supposed to have. Givaldim. And what he has, I'm so besimcha for him. A person lives with such emunah, with such clarity. We have to study this. Midas taibus v'racha v'samach b'libay. We should all be zeichet to such emunah, to such faith. I think there's tremendous, tremendous faith. In a, in, a, in a world where people don't believe Hashem's giving, don't understand, are just blind to the truth, I don't think there could be an edus of Arach of Samach It's impossible. He's happy in his heart. There's no emunah, there's no faith. But in a world where there's faith, in a world where a person samech b'chelkai and appreciates Hashem's giving him the exact chelot that he, that he needs, that's good for him, that's important for him, a person could mamish fagin. Somebody gets his, what he perceives as his chelik. Samach b'libay, completely chelik. He's happy and encouraging and excited for it. Amazing madrega to read in the parasha. I wanted to end and close with that. Made the rabbi say, let's notice here. Nobody's allowed. In our atmosphere, in our sviv, in our communities, in our world, nobody could be, nobody could be unnoticed. Nobody's allowed to stay unnoticed. Can't be a person's just that somebody could say I'm invisible. No, nobody's allowed to be notice and see and care, appreciate another person, validate another person, validate. Hashem's first words to Moshe Rabbeinu is Moshe, the one who's destined to raise up the people and to teach the people. The first word Hashem says to him is Moshe, is validation. That's the word that Moshe has to give over to others, validate, see and appreciate. The Gemara tells us of a, that the Chachamim were called Avi, Avi, Rebbe, Rebbe. Every Talmud Chacham is first called Avi, Avi. Validate and notice. You don't teach anybody that you don't notice. If you don't, Avi, Avi is the validation. Is hand the person Olam You can't hand the Olam till you give him If you don't notice him, you're not giving him any world. Avi, Avi, the recognition. Give birth to the person first. A Rebbe is called Avi, Avi, Rebbe, Rebbe. As Elisha calls Elio, but a Rebbe is called Avi Avi Rebbe Rebbe. Before any be shaykhs to Rebbe, it has to be Avi. Avi is he has a physical existence, then you can introduce him to Ruchnis. The Avi Avi aspect of a Rebbe is to notice somebody. I see you, I recognize you, I appreciate you, I'm inspired by you, I validate you, what you're feeling, what you're experiencing. I understand and I get and I notice and appreciate. That's Avi Avi. When it's Avi Avi, then it could be Rebbe Rebbe. And the first words to Moshe Rabbeinu was Moshe. 
the person charged with being the Rebbe of the Yidden, perhaps in those first words Hashem ever utters to him, defines his mission of saying to the Yidden their names, of handing a name. This quote, this amazing, Moshe, by defending the helpless Yid, restored sensitivity to the dull slaves. By noticing, by seeing that which Hashem does. Ro-ro-isi, Moshe's let us all gain godly eyes that we learn from Moshe Rabbeinu that we are Shaykh. Let us see and notice and appreciate all our loved ones and all Yidden.